With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Penn State Hoop Show. I'm Thomas Frankar, the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Hoop Show, live here on YouTube. As uh, my co-host, Nate Bauer, just said before we came on air, we got a pretty well-mapped-out show. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, but I'm going to throw the first curveball of the day for Nate, is that in honor of Penn State's performance on uh, Sunday... I'm not going to say anything for the next nine minutes, and let's see how that goes. That's coming up on The Hoop Show. Buddy. A little, a little aggressive, no, <laughs> a, little, a little salty. I mean, do what you got to do. I get it. <laughs> okay. Uh, see, here's the difference is like, I don't want to drive people away here on the hoop show. So I actually am going to say some words, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I, under, I don't want to be that guy. I don't, yeah, don't uh, guy. good for a good laugh. Sure. sure. But, um, I genuinely don't like saying the same stuff over and over again. And I know what people who watch the show regularly will say to that is like, oh, okay, yeah, like, subscribe, and hit the notification buttons. I don't like doing that. I, I, I genuinely don't. And when we find ourselves in the same place again, and I know Michael Shrewsbury addressed it. We'll get to this later in, in the show. But, like, that was it. That's everything they had wanted. And yep. then it's not just to lose. It is to put up a an unwatchable performance in the second half. Sitting there watching that game for me at home, Nate, it was uncomfortable. Yep. It was it was awkward, it was uncomfortable, and it was not very much fun. And I know that Rutgers has a lot to do with that. And there's a lot of other parts of that. But that's what I'm getting at here is like if I didn't yep. start if I didn't say any words for the final nine minutes of the show. Mm -hmm. You go, okay, so this is this is hard to watch. And Nate, it was hard to watch on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's fair. I think that there were a, a few things that were going on that maybe were a little bit of fool's gold in the first half. I guess that's kind of where I came out of this was they they weren't as good in the first half as it seemed. And so some of the the larger issues that have plagued this team th really throughout the season, like if you've been watching this team for most of the season, a lot of stuff reared its head, right? Uh, kind of one-on-one -on -one stagnant ball movement, like th things were not happening offensively. They had five assists on 13 made buckets in the first half. Um, they, they weren't hitting threes in the first half, right? So, so Lundy and Funk became the story because they want to combine O for a billion. But it started with O for four for Lundy and O for three for Funk. Like they just weren't, they were not getting in rhythm good looks in the first half, and that didn't change. That didn't that didn't change up in the second half. So I, while I understand, uh, you know. I guess the perception of, right, they, they blew a 19-point lead and, and they lost the game, no doubt. Like, the, the brutal factor here is that they lost the game. Uh, it was a six-point game with six minutes to go. So it, it wasn't the, the glacial slow drip of losing, uh, to me, is a more accurate reflection of what happened, for instance, between Michigan state and Iowa over the weekend where Michigan state lost a 13 point lead with like 90 seconds to play. Right. This wasn't, this wasn't a boom. It's gone. This was a Penn state did not have anything going offensively. Let that seep into its defensive end of the floor. 
and yeah. really just, you know, was not able to come through in the clutch when it still had an opportunity. And I mean, I think those are uh, a dozen subjects that we'll, we'll get through over the next half yeah. hour, 45 minutes, but that's kind of where things started. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying, it, it, but it doesn't change the optics. And that's really what I, what, oh, yeah. what we're getting at there is the optics of changing the narrative. And, and as much as you're the big picture guy, like we kind of reverse our roles here where you're, yeah. you know, infinitely more about basketball and this team and the history, but like, you know, coming from the perspective of kind of looking at the big picture and kind of looking at the simple things that, that I think a lot of people are going to latch onto is how is this any different than anything you've ever watched from Penn state basketball? And like, mm. I, I grew up watching this, Nate, I grew up watching, uh, you know, most of my teams in my formative years were terrible. So, and not to say this team in particular is terrible, but yeah. it's the it's the familiarity of predictability of, yep, the second half starts, they come out, they play well, but doesn't go right immediately. And then you get that creeping feeling of being a Penn State basketball fan going, I know where this is going. And then they prove you right. Yeah. And and those narrative things that I know that Michael Shrewsbury has been trying to push back on of what happened in the past doesn't matter here except it does like it kind of does and and i i've said it before on the show whatever um dark energy whatever uh evil spirit is is buried in the basement of the bjc they need to have an exorcism they need to dig it up they need to bring in some sort of like sage and crystals and get it out of there because they they were when they were playing well they were playing well and then they just stopped and th there's a couple things that go into that i don't want to get too myopic here but like yeah it just had that vibe of here it is again and if you want to yeah. get your thoughts in the chat as well we're here live on youtube so give us your thoughts and uh, we'll get to your comments throughout the show i i don't think that what happened on senior night in 2001 against ohio state has anything to do with what happened on sunday i don't think past iterations of Penn State basketball have literally anything to do with what happened on Sunday night. I, I get the I, for for Penn State fans who are watching it and especially for the casual fans who are like, well, I, I wasted my Sunday night. I gave this team a chance and they let me down because, uh, you know, I, I watched in uh, for a sport that I normally don't watch. Sure, I, I get yeah. it. Like, and and that's, what that's what I'm applying. That's what I'm applying that it matters because yeah. it, it's, it's just this, the tires in the mud thing that I've been going on and on and on about. Again, I don't want to keep talking about it, but like the, the momentum for this program, whenever yeah. there's an opportunity, it feels like the tires are in the mud and you take two steps back, you never get any traction. And right. in, in these big traction games, it does build into the narrative and the, and the psychosis of, of the casual fan further ingraining your identity, whether it's earned or not. But did it, did it feel like that when Penn state went on the road and beat Illinois by 15 points in December, right? Did, did it feel like that when Penn state uh, beat Indiana, right? Who, who is at this point in the season, a great team by 19 points earlier mm -hmm. this season, right? Did it feel like that? when Penn state shellacked Michigan one by 22, like <laughs> I, I just, I just think that there is a, an element of picking and choosing your spots of when, like, yes, this is something that is traditionally consistent with Penn state of not playing well in a big opportunity like this. No argument, no argument to that point. My argument, however, is the things that happened specific to this game, right, uh, between Penn State this year and Rutgers this year are things that have been happening all season, <laughs> right? Like, they're, they're just, they're not, they're not unique to, right. uh, like, they're not, it's, it, they're not unique to this team. It's not as though, right, the ghost of Christmas past came back and, and said, okay, well, you guys thought you had it and, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a real wrench by making you do something that you haven't done before. That's totally out of character this season. Now, Seth Lundy being uh, as really not good as he was shooting the ball, that is totally out of character 
fine. But the notion of Penn State's offense not making shots, getting open looks that they weren't able to hit, and then having that translate to defensive inefficiencies on the other end of the floor, that is entirely consistent with what's happened this season. <laughs> right? Like that is that is entirely that's uh, the story of this year. The bill. 100%. Completely the story of this year and uh beyond that, okay, let's let's take it a step beyond just uh the, the offense dictating the defense. How about uh one scorer going, which in this case was Cam Winter, and yep. not having help, not having second, third scorers. Uh, yep. Let's have the, the idea of Jalen Pickett being somebody that a defense is absolutely determined to take away. And yep. then that creating other opportunities for Penn State shooters and Penn State shooters not being able to cash in. Like it, it is a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation for Penn State, because like when Penn State, when when other teams do that to Penn State, and shooters are hitting, it takes those defenses out of it, right? Like they yeah. don't continue that strategy. But if Penn State's not going to shoot you out of it, then of course you're going to continue to do it. And that's exactly yeah. what Rutgers did. They muck up the game. They play tight defense on the perimeter. Penn State has struggled with teams that are good defenders on the perimeter all season. And this yeah. was absolutely another situation where that came to bear. Uh, I guess uh, this is the the balance of f I'm I'm a bit unfeeling and unflinching when it comes to uh, the the Penn State football fans and, and maybe I, I need to uh, give a little bit there. But uh, for Kreiner, I, I'm I'm voicing his opinion here. The game made me want to cry. My thoughts, and I think that there's a lot of Penn State basketball fans that feel that way. And yep. and there's a little bit of like you need to get you need to get that out today after an unbelievably frustrating loss. I think you you make some great points there about these are the consistent themes of this team's problems throughout the year. I'll also say that, interestingly, and this is not to bemoan officiating once again, but in the first half, there were calls. Penn State was getting to the free throw line. In the yep. second half, there were not as many calls. Um, and I don't know whether it was a cleaner game and Rutgers was just shutting things down, but it is noticeable the difference in how it was going first half to second half from a game flow, a game flow uh, perspective and from, uh, you know, a first to second half. Grant says this game hell had an uncomfortable feeling from the start. They need uh, more ball movement when they get stagnant. That uncomfortable feeling is what you were talking about of the fool's gold in the first half. So let's get into that a little bit more about yeah. uh, what was going on and what wasn't happening for Penn state in the first half that may have led to the situation where they find themselves in, in the second half. Yeah. The, uh, so the game started and like, I don't want to do a play by play here, but Penn state up 17 with three minutes to play was in large part, a product of uh Cam Winner, right, who was excellent in the first half, and Jalen Pickett. Those two guys. Yep. Okay. Uh, nothing else was going. Now, Penn State made a couple of, I would call them effort plays. There were a couple of offensive rebounds. Kebajai, I thought, was was very good. He he was um he provided something for them uh in, in the paint. However, yeah. however, can I get to uh, you this, one thing? I'm sorry to yeah, go ahead. stop your run a little bit, but Keba has been doing that more lately. Um, are, are you encouraged by, you know, that, or is it just the too much fits and starts? Because he has been more stronger, more physical in the paint. He's been, I think, fighting through more things. Is no. that, how do you feel about that, even if you don't get it consistently, where they, they have a little bit of a post presence now? Yeah, I think he's going to be good. Honestly, I mean, I, that you you saw those sparks early in the season. It's just a slap in the face. Like, it's, it's this harsh reality of, hey, he just he's just not ready. He's just not prepared for that moment. It's a it's an uncomfortable position to have to put somebody in because they have talent, but y you have no other choice as a coaching staff but to play him, right? He, he has to play. He has to get significant minutes, whether he's ready for that stage or not. He was not ready for 
the Big Ten stage this year. And I don't yeah. think anybody could fault him. He wasn't recruited as a guy who was supposed to be ready for the Big Ten stage this year. Like That's just not the player he was. And in fact, the, the fact that he put on as much weight as he did between high school and when he got to Penn State, like that was he, he transformed his body between his commitment and that time. So I mm-hmm. just think that if you give him an offseason, he, he will be a different player next year. And you're seeing the start of what that might look like. So, yeah, no, I, there there are things to pull from this game that aren't the worst thing in the world. That's just no, no, nobody wants to have that conversation right now because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's wallowing in uh, in misery right now. So I, I, I totally I hit you on your however, which yeah. is my favorite place when we hit your however. So I'm sorry about that. But I want to get to your point that you were making uh, earlier before I disrupt you about Keba Giant and some of the good things in the first half. So so my my th- look and this is not some great insight, but three minutes to play in the first half. Okay. Penn state's up 17 points and Rutgers goes on a seven Oh run, but it wasn't a, again, it wasn't an avalanche. It was a hustle play here. It, it started with an and one foul where miles dread was on his back and got landed on. And I, I guess the call was that he like tripped uh, Derek Simpson, but in any case, that was the first three points. Okay, uh, there it was a another um, like the back and forth was the and one happens. Lundy takes a three pointer, misses. Uh, Derek Simpson comes back and hits on the wing. Mm-hmm. Pickett tries a layup, uh, misses. Kebajai blocked at the basket, uh, and then took to me the like this very key sequence is Penn State had five team fouls, so they had a foul to give. And Penn State starts with the ball. They have an offensive possession where they start with the ball with like 37 seconds maybe. And and so there's a seven-second differential between the shot clock and the game clock. Mm -hmm. Pickett started in at the basket with maybe 26 seconds to go. He kicks the Funk. Funk takes a shot with maybe 21 seconds, and it's no good, okay? Penn State started that possession so early, Yeah. okay? that it gave Rutgers an opportunity to get a final look at the basket and not just a final look, but like set it up, right? They had 20 seconds to play, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe 16, 17 seconds before they they crossed half court, but you have a foul to give and they didn't take that foul. And uh, it was just, it was just a a Simpson layup. (laughs) So, so they get to Rutgers was able through an offensive rebound, through a free throw, uh, through a foul, to, to basically establish some momentum for itself that really had not existed at any point in the first half. Yep. And, and like that was a, just a key, key moment where Penn State lost its ability to, uh, and we'll get to this later, but like to, to kill them, right? To, to yep. end it. You're, you're up 17, make it 21, right? Or keep it 17. But instead of that, it's a 10-point game going into the half. Yeah, definitely. Um we let go of the rope a few times when, when we had opportunities. Um, yeah, I, I just thought, like, when you build leads, um, you have to kind of stay with what got you there. So you got to hit singles. Yeah, hit singles. I felt like we went for the home run way too many times, way too many times, instead of just being simple, right? And that's what we talked about at halftime. We gave them that run at the end, 7-0 run at the end of the half. Um, that goes from 17 to 10, and it gives them a little bit of confidence, right? That's all you need. I've been talking about confidence for two and a half weeks. That's all you need in college basketball is a little bit of confidence. They were fired up. So Michael Shrewsbury is not going to be hired as an analytics manager in baseball because, you know, he's not a fan of going for the home run every time, which is what you do in baseball, but not in basketball. Not when the looks aren't great. And at that point in the game, they weren't, they were right. I mean, it was still a hugging defense on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Penn state just didn't it's Penn state shooters did not have looks, but the attempts were again, like Lundy just was, was firing at will yeah. from, from beyond the arc funk. Like, I mean, like I said, you, you just like four of those misses out of the last five were three pointers. And so when that yeah. happens, um, you know, it, it's just as Shrewsbury said, they were they were trying to to have that uppercut TKO and none of them fell. And as a result, 
a team that really had not done anything offensively. Rutgers was just stagnant, was able to build itself a little bit of a, a you know, an edge going into the, going into the half. Yeah. The, there's, there's a lot of moments that play in the second half that we'll get to as far as the, the really exasperating things. But from this first half, before we get into that second half, did, did, were the looks that poor? Because from what I remember, they had a, a collection of Rutgers plays good defense. You're not getting the best looks in the world. But they also had open shots. Like, not all of those threes were bad threes. And they were not hitting them, which they're supposed to hit them at home. That's the other storyline in this season is on no. the road, they, they don't hit them. But at home, this team's lights out. And Funk, Lundy... Those guys, they, they were the opposite of that on uh, on Sunday. So do you think that no. there were quality looks mixed in there, or was it that they were just rushing shots early in the clock and trying to get those threes? I thought that Lundy was trigger-happy from the get-go, and I thought Funk was was trying to, to shake loose but just never found daylight. Like, they were mm -hmm. all over Funk for yeah. the duration of the game. Lundy had more space, I think, in the second half, like better shots, better looks. Funk had a couple in the second half, but for the most part, it, it was very clear that this was an element that Rutgers wanted to take away. And, and so, I look, I, I don't blame Seth Lundy and Andrew Funk for feeling good at home at the start of the game and, and mm -hmm. wanting to take those shots, right? I mean, yeah. I, there was some juice. There was some energy. Those are shots that they've made before this season. Lundy has shot a great percentage this season. But, again, for Funk, it was it was kind of forcing the issue. And for Lundy, I think it was just maybe a couple of them taking, uh, you know, uh, less than ideal, right? Like, yeah. it's not saying that it's a bad shot necessarily in the first half, but uh, there were better looks probably out there that Penn State didn't really pursue. Yep. So that sets up a second half. You didn't get the momentum going into halftime, which sometimes Penn State has been able to do. They have struggled coming out of halftime, but not yeah. here. Like they actually were able to get some of that juice back coming out of halftime. It just was very short lived. Yeah. And so, so Cam goes on a 6 0 run and Funk finally hits, right? There's, there's a, um, a kick out to, to Funk in the corner that Funk buries. And so it's like, Place is crazy. They're back up 19. It's 40 to 20. It's all going now. Like it's all, all systems going. go. It's all going. Uh, Spencer came back, hit an elbow basket, pick it in transition, gets to Lundy. Lundy dunks. They're up 19. Okay. To, there's like a bunch of key moments in the second half, but this is the first one. Okay. <laughs> and it is on the other side. Spencer hit a three in the corner where Cam Winter like over pursued. I mean, it, it just, it wasn't even close. And that was like the catalyst. It seemed to me for Rutgers because Rutgers got it back down to 10 fairly quickly. Right. Uh, Cam over pursuit three Keba stripped inside turnover. Uh, uh, Omar, yeah, excuse me. <laughs> Rutgers big man. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, hits two free throw. He gets fouled two free throws. He misses one, okay? On the second uh, free throw that he missed, they get an offensive rebound. Palmquist hits a three, okay? So, like, that's yeah. a four-point, potentially more, right? Potentially a six-point, seven-point swing just on that offensive rebound. And so, like, it's just, it's just a cascade of turnovers, little plays, offensive rebounds, the, these minor things that don't seem like that big of a deal in the moment when Penn mm -hmm. State has a lead – that when you compound them, when they're one after the other, it's just, it's just, it, it sets you up for the type of finish that they had. And again, I mean, that, that was just kind of where I came out of it. It was is that better or worse. It's, it's worse. It's worse because the things that feels worse. It feels yeah. so. So the thing I was saying earlier is that it felt inevitable, like from a certain perspective, given, you know, the, the unfair part of the outside looking in, it felt inevitable of, Okay, so now they're not playing well. They're making mental mistakes. Feels like the moment is getting tight. And it is this, instead of being pushed off a cliff, 
when you're standing next to it, it's like this long, slow slide to the abyss. And that's what I'm saying. Like the game felt uncomfortable in the second half. These things, they made it hard. And, and and these are, these are the moments that you, you mentioned that um, ultimately led to, you know, being in a game that you shouldn't have been in. See, I don't, I don't know if I perceive that point in the game as necessarily being where they got tight. I think they got tight at the end of the game, right? When things, once the lead slipped away, it got tight. But before that, what I'm talking about right there, that stretch where they're up 19 and 19 goes back down to 10, that was playing too loose. That was, that was was sloppy. Like it was just, they just weren't doing the things that they had done to, to bring them there. They slowed the ball down offensively again, turnovers, risky passes, uh, and then just were not getting back on defense. They, they did not do the things defensively um, that they had done at, at times. I mean, especially when they went up in the first place in the first half by, by 16, right? I mean, they, they just had a huge run there in the first half, like 21 to three or 21 to two that was built on Rutgers taking bad shots and mm-hmm. Penn State playing in transition, Penn State getting into good looks. None of that was happening, and a lot of it was hap- not happening because of what was happening on the offensive end for Penn State. They just the ball stuck. They weren't yeah. moving the basketball, uh, and they paid for it on both ends of the floor. We came out and started the half great, but then we let our foot off the ro- you know we let we let our foot off the gas. We let go of the rope. We didn't do the things that got us that lead. So. Um, little plays that like they don't seem that like they were big, but like we give them a bucket and then they get a free throw rebound, right? Like we gave them more chances when that, like maybe you close the door, like maybe you foul and they, they shoot the free throw and miss it. And that like helps close the door, right? We left the door open too many times. Even when we weren't scoring the basketball, we couldn't come up with timely stops. They would get long offensive rebounds or they'd hit timely. Like they hit every timely basket that they needed to make, and we missed a lot of them. But you know, it was because of the things that we did early in the game. So where do you want to go after that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. You know, like anybody who saw the game um, – you know, kind of knows what happened there at the end, but, but I do want to take it back. uh, And and this goes into Seth Lundy a little bit. There's a moment where, you know, 90 seconds to play two minutes to play, right? Penn state gave up its lead. Okay. The, the, The lead is gone and it's, it's a tie game. McConnell hits a three. It's a tie game. Penn state, uh, you know, they kind of go back and forth. Neither team scores. Uh, and, Seth Lundy um, gets fouled on, right, this, like, kind of in transition. It was off of a miss. Pickett pushes it. Pickett finds Lundy. Lundy yep. gets fouled inside, okay? Yeah. They're they're up, okay? <laughs> they're up 56-54 because he makes both free throws. And, like, the ease with which... Rutgers scored on the ensuing possession. I mean, it was just a high pick and roll. That's it. Okay. Yep. Winter, uh, Cam Winter gets blocked out. Lundy does not pick it up. And like, that's it. <laughs> right. It's a, it, not only do you get scored on, you foul. And it's just, it, it was, it was just that element of things not going well offensively for him, for them as a team to create a situation where it was so easy. Like it, these were not challenging buckets. I mean, Rutgers hit some tough shots for sure in the game, but down the stretch, it, they were too easy. It was too yeah. easy for Simpson to get that bucket later. Once, once Rutgers is up 57, 56 um, back on the other end, Simpson has a wild layup that, that is a miss. And again, uh Omorori, uh, has an offensive rebound and converts. So then it's a three-point game, right? Like yep. it just it was just these key moments, these key plays where if Penn State gets a rebound off of that, they're down one. Right? They're down one with the ball and they have an opportunity yeah. to to win the game. But instead, now you're down three, you're looking for a three. Picket travels, it goes back and forth and then it sets up that final sequence where they've had three looks at the basket and none of them were good. Seth 
obviously got stripped on the the final play and that was it. Like that was that was the game, but it just it it seemed again, it seemed to me like so much of it was set up by losing the 50-50 plays. Yep. All of them in the second half and not as a matter of being out of position necessarily or Rutgers doing anything spectacular. It was Penn State didn't feel good. They're a feel good team and let it let it seep over. It just yeah. it was too much for them. Especially as you mentioned with Seth Lundy, one for 16 and O of 11 from three. He shot. 16 shots and missed them all. I don't, I don't, I mean, there's no like science to it. Um, you know, I thought he was rushing a little bit. I thought he was a little too hyped, um, to play this game. I kept telling him, Hey, take a deep breath, man, settle down. Like it's okay. Um, but man, I, you know, some are more quick, but a lot of those he's taken throughout the year he's made, um, It just wasn't his night tonight. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I told you, I'm not, I'm not talking. So this is on you, Nate. <laughs> yeah, I think I look, uh, Seth Lundy is the easy target here. Micah Shrewsbury got to the podium after the game and Real like immediately took all the blame. He put all the blame on himself, which which is fine and what you expect a leader to do. Uh, he he said uh, very obviously, and this needs to be spoken because we haven't said it yet. Rutgers went into a blitz like hard head situation on yeah. the perimeter where Pickett was just completely taken out of the game. Pickett didn't shoot in the second half. He literally did not take a shot. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Yes, that's true. And it was, that's a thing that you can't necessarily, other than taking him off the ball, which they, they did at times mm-hmm. and trying to force the ball. And they, they did not allow Jalen Pickett to get into any of his spots in the paint. Yep. Like that just, he never had the ball down low, was never able to get into a position where he could accept and receive the ball at that point. And so some of those shots, Heck, a lot of those shots that Seth Lundy took in the second half were as a result of that, right? Like they they were the, that was why he took as many shots as he did was because somebody has to shoot the ball and Jalen Pickett was not able to get shots off. They were not able to put him in a spot where, where he could work, where he could go to work. And what Micah Shrewsbury said was, Hey, we need to make quicker decisions out of that out of that action that's happening up top, you got to be able to swing the ball. You got to be able to do it very, very quickly. And Penn state was just a little too hesitant to the point where Rutgers could get back defensively. And so like it, it's, it's a, it, to me, I came out of it as, okay, Michael Shrewsbury wanted to put all of the blame on himself. That's fine. I I think it was a shared responsibility of Mm -hmm. Penn state, not being prepared for that in the first place, Penn state, not being able to, recognize what was happening and then adjust to it and be able to get into spots where you do have shooters getting the looks that they want, but also on the looks that they did get that were good, which again happened. It did happen in the second half. They had some good opportunities. They did cut to the basket. Some not enough, but some, they just, they didn't convert. Kanye Clary had a, had a high glass uh, layup that, 
you know, it should be a fairly high percentage shot for him. Seth Lundy had some looks at the basket that didn't go in. Kevin yeah. Jai got stripped at the basket. Like these are the things that you're doing that are easy to overlook because of the storyline being Seth miss- missing 16 shots. But that's part of it. That That is yeah. the plan. Like that's the offset so, is, is those looks. And they just didn't, they didn't convert for one reason or another. So part of the offensive stagnation and, and the ball not moving is partly personnel. It's not necessarily that they're not moving as much, but you know, Seth Lundy is a, is a good athlete, a good spot up shooter, but not a guy that attacks the basket all the time. They bring in Clary and they have Cam Winner to be kind of your guy going after the basket. But the guys that touch the ball a lot, uh, you've got Andrew Funk, who is a spot shooter and and does, I think, the best he can to be, you know, move around the court. And, and he's provided a little more ball movement and, and catching, faking, driving, trying to set up an easier shot on in the paint. But if you're putting Miles Dredd out there with Andrew Funk, those guys set up and shoot. That's what they do. That that kind of is their role in in the system. And and the I think the play that illustrates that the most and is the most discombobulated of that second half was Pickett is, you know, you get the high pick and roll fence. He passes the ball over to Dredd, who had a semi-open look, the shot fake, and then he, yep. he dribbles into the top of the key, and then he throws the ball back to Pickett. Yep. And it's just the lack of confidence in Dread specifically, but the lack of that ability to move and create your own shot. And Pickett can't do everything. Like he literally, like that. That that part was very, you know, that's when you, you kind of throw your hands up and go like, okay, so this is happening. And, and yeah. but that's kind of these are the problems if you don't have a big, and if yep. your big is your guard, and you can prevent him from getting in there. And Lundy and or Funk are not on their game the bottom falls out really quickly quickly on this team. When they're good, they can beat anybody. When they aren't good, they are easily beaten. And yep. it's just, it is a Jekyll and Hyde about this team. Yep. No, I, I, I completely agree. The, the passed-up shot in the first place, the turnover, right? It's a weak turnover. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's not a good pass in the first place. And uh, not to make, not to belabor this point, because there were so many things that happened in this game that were within Penn state's control. But the one that wasn't is Pickett wasn't again, Pickett was not getting fouled, right? They, they yep. did not call fouls uh, when Pickett had the ball in his hands, when things got more physical in the second half on the perimeter. So yep. if that, if that's right, if you can't get to the free throw line and it's not as though Rutgers did not pick up fouls, uh, Mulcahy fouled out. Yep. And Penn State got to the bonus, right? Uh, Kebajai had free throws over uh, and over the back, right? But yeah, on the whole, the the stuff that was happening on the perimeter was not being called. Penn State couldn't get into any of its stuff, and that like pick, they took Pickett out. Like pick, yeah. it was okay, okay. Pickett is not going to beat us. Somebody else, go ahead, yeah, go, go do it. And Penn State. Yep. One was not making the shots that they did get, but also didn't move the ball with enough efficiency and quickness to get better looks in the first place. So no, that combination think, left them totally high and dry. Uh, we we uh, have another clip you want to get to here. Unfortunately, I'm not sure which one it is because I've labeled things differently. Uh, is this the one about sucking in front of home crowds uh, that you want to get to next or are we we moving on past that one? Go ahead. Get get into the being bad in front of home. Okay. We've sucked when people have come to games. We've sucked. I don't know whether it's like we're too amped up to play or we're too juiced to play, but or maybe we're reading press clippings of how important this game was instead of really focusing on one game. It's one game. At the end of the day, it's one game. Like this wasn't an elimination game. This wasn't like, hey, we're going to play this game, and if if you guys get beat, the floor is going to open, and you're going to fall through it, and you're done. Like, no, it's one game. We've lost. We lost 12 times this year, right? Like, pick yourself up and go play the next game. Which they now have to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the, yeah. the body language thing was interesting, and I think that's the next thing we want to get to. I love the way that you describe this here, an intensely fragile team. And that's yeah. kind of like on top of the world, or I don't want to say checked out because they're still trying, but like 
you know, it is what it is. Yeah, they're, they're not. I mean, it's the opposite of, of checked out. They are trying so hard. They they want to be yeah. so good offensively. They have seen it, that, right? It's this repetition of, hey, th- they know how good they can be offensively. They've done it this year. That 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 uh, showtime element has clicked and been in place at times this season to the point that they really want to win. And when it doesn't happen, they don't have something to fall back on, right? Yeah. That that has been the story of the season in so many ways is that when it's not running to perfection, when it's not exactly what they want it to be, not only do they not say, okay, relax, we can still be good defensively. Mm-hmm. They yeah. also they also say, well, uh, Oh, oh my goodness. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like the, the, the sky, the is, sky falling. is falling. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And that, and that doesn't necessarily need to be the case. Look, there are some absolute liabilities defensively on this team. There's no argument to that. Uh, Andrew Funk is not great, right? Uh, Cam Winter has his moments. Jalen Pickett has had moments this year that, that have not been great. He's been picked on defensively. Kevin Jai's been, all of them. Everybody, yeah. even, even Seth Lundy, who has been excellent offensively this year, coming off of a, a year that was so fantastic defensively, has not been as good defensively this season. And it's just it's just that symptom. It, it, and, and it's again, it's just something that Michael Shrewsbury has been talking about throughout the season of these guys identify with and want to be scorers. And he finally indulged that to a certain extent and yeah. and allowed them to be more positive. He he has changed, right? He's been on this journey of going berserk on the sideline, being, you know, just out of control and not liking how he was acting to toning it down. And he was totally reserved. He was totally reserved on, on Sunday night, allowing them to, to kind of stay in that mold of being a feel good team, not yeah. threatening them with come to Jesus. Like n- none of that was happening, but it, it didn't really matter. It, like the, the, the leopard did not change its spots yeah. to, regardless of what he was trying to do, the demeanor that he was trying to take with them. They just, they just are not able to snap out of it and again, rely on something else when the first option isn't working. Um, which is, which is crazy because you look, we led the game for 32 minutes and 30 seconds. I don't know what you're down about. That means we're playing through our offense. We're not playing through defense. We're not playing through stops. Um, and, you know, if guys are getting down because they're not making shots, and that's that's something that we've been preaching all year. Uh, we're winning the game. At some point in time, like, it becomes winning time. It becomes I got to step up and make a play. He brings up a really good point of if you can't feel good about doing the little things right, that is going to happen of if you're not if you're if you don't fill the stat sheet, that's okay. You're winning the game and you should know internally you're a part of the reason why. And 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 that I think is is that is is that a systemic problem in college basketball? Like, I don't know. I follow this team. Is that something that happens everywhere? I'm sorry. The question one more time. (laughs) So is this like an AAU effect sort of thing of if I'm not the one scoring or if I don't, then I don't feel like I'm contributing to the win. So if I don't have, it's maybe it's not even a selfish thing of I want to score. It's I feel like if I don't score, uh, then I'm not contributing to the win and kind of the emphasis on fundamentals and the un- you know, the uncounted things in the game have gone by the wayside. Is that a basketball thing or is this team specifically, as you said, a, a fragile team? Uh, I, I would say both. I, I mean, look, like I don't want to get into a situation where it's, well, this is just the way it is, right? You you can't coach a team into having this ingredient because I think that you can. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I, I mean, I, I think the bottom line is you can. John Hara was it, yep. right? It's it's roster construction. It's any it's any number of things. It's it's high. It's like <laughs> we get so fixated on what happens during the forty minutes of a game, which is absolutely warranted. I, I totally get it. 
But a lot of this is also things that can be manipulated and developed and grown in all of the, those hours that happen between games, all of those hours that happen in the off season. And so it's, it is in certain respects, a, a shortcoming or a failing of, of Shrewsbury staff to, to be able to get those ingredients into these guys, right? Seth Lundy yeah. had it last year, right? Seth Lundy yeah. is not yeah, yeah. a player who cannot do these things. He has demonstrated an ability to be a three and D kind of guy, but the, the defense just has not been there to the same level as it was a season ago. And it seems like in a lot of these cases, it's, Hey, like Andrew Funk is a scorer. Cam winner is a scorer. Yep. Pickett scores Lundy scores. And so all of those things, when, when those guys aren't clicking dread scores, right. When they're, when they're not happening, and they are out of whack, out of sync as an offense. The ball's not moving. They're not, they're not, I mean, again, they did not share the ball on Sunday, but that's something that Shrewsbury talked about has been a weeks long situation for them. Yeah. Right. So, so when those things are not in place, uh, you know, I, I just have not seen from them a resolve and an ability to, to push past it. Right. But, But at the same time, there's, there's this other conversation that needs to be had of Penn state hasn't really had an issue with bouncing back, yeah. right? Like for, talk to, the game is, is fine. They, they have, they struggle within the game. Absolutely. They, they have an inability to adjust. They have an inability to handle these tough defensive teams that, that pressure them on the perimeter. Fine. But what they have been able to do is say, okay, we lost. Let's let's go win the next one, which yeah. I, I think is just this intriguing dynamic of th- th- they do have a short memory, but not short enough in the process of a game <laughs> to be able to yeah. fight through some of these things. If if the three goes down, they have a short memory uh, and it resets every game as long as they hit the next three. Yep. Uh, and not that. <laughs> for a team that I think doesn't want to be what they are in terms of so reliant on the three. And I know Michael Shrewsbury pushed back on that when he's here on the show of like, you know, we set up the offense so that we score. Um, but then a offshoot is what teams force you to do, which is, you know, take the three. They still have to, that's still a large part of their DNA. So what's next? I know Northwestern is next, but yep. what's next for this team? Yeah, uh, North Northwestern, and that's it. That's that is it is as simple as that because now the uh, the window is closed, <laughs> right? Like this is it. Is uh, while well, he said that, and he framed it as like, oh, the floor is not going to open, and we're going to lose a player, and the backs against the wall. No, it's just another game. Technically, he will still be right if they lose at Northwestern but there is no chance that they're getting into the NCAA tournament if they lose at Northwestern and then don't get at least to basically the final of the big 10 tournament. Right. right. So, so something extremely improbable has to happen in the big 10 tournament if they lose this game. And the reality is they can go into the big 10 tournament with some level of comfort or confidence about getting into the, the NCAA tournament by winning the next two games. So it starts with Northwestern. It's a non-starter if they don't beat Northwestern, right? It's just, it's just going to be very, very difficult for them to find their way into the NCAA tournament without beating a Northwestern team that has its own, you know, kind of set of issues, right? Because they lost at Illinois uh, on the 23rd, which is five days ago. And then they lost, they got clobbered at Maryland on Saturday. Um, Excuse me, was it Saturday? Sunday, excuse me. Uh, so this is a Maryland, te- or excuse me, a Northwestern team that has done some great things, okay? They beat mm-hmm. Purdue at home. They beat Indiana at home. They beat Iowa. Like, y- you name it. They- they've racked up a bunch of pretty good wins at home uh, and are in a great spot in the in the Big Ten, right? They, they are 11-7 and seven overall. That puts them in the first day at this point uh, mm-hmm. in the Big Ten tournament. But they very easily could move out of that, <laughs> like de- depending on what happens here for Northwestern down the stretch, because they go to Rutgers to finish the season after Penn State. Like it, it's just that whole mess of the Big Ten standings 
has yet to play itself out. And so mm-hmm. Penn State has absolutely another opportunity. This is not a world-beating Northwestern team. It is a well-coached, disciplined, good Northwestern team who will play tough defense and give Penn State the exact same problems that Rutgers gave them. Right. So, and, so and this is that. A, this, I, I'm just going to say, like, this is a stark, this will be a very clear picture of can Penn State learn from its yeah. most recent mistake? Because it, there's no contrast. Like, it, it's going to be the exact same type of game, and Penn State is either going to figure it out or they're not. And that's why Josh Dom here on YouTube says, I'm going to watch the second half only from now on. Can't handle getting my hopes up in the first half this year for them to let down later. Um, so, you know, we, we can talk about the senior day after that and Maryland, but it doesn't really matter if they don't win this game. 9 p.m. Wednesday. Uh, any last thoughts? Anything else you want to get to before we get out of here on the BWI uh, Hoop Show? Live here on YouTube at noon. Thanks to everybody who participated and was here with us as we discussed this this non-polarizing loss to Rutgers from Sunday. Yeah, everybody's everybody's so mad. Um, and I, I get it. I, I do. I, I understand the frustration of Penn State fans. I, I just, look, they this team has not really changed through the course of the season in terms of their M.O., and so here you go. You get, you get two more shots to be the best version of yourself as opposed to the worst version of yourself. All of all like throughout the season, they've had competitive games. It's not as though this is a team that's been blown out consistently. Yeah. Um, you know, so in, instead you just, you get these nail biters, you get these situations where either, Either it's on and it's happening or it's not. And you have to find a way to gut out a win. Penn state had not been able to find a way to gut out a win until at Minnesota. Right. And then they did it again at Ohio state. So, so they learned something there. They learned something about winning a tough, close game, but it just, it's going to need to carry over because it's hard to project or see an environment over really certainly the next two games for the regular season coming to an end, but also the big 10 tournament. Like that's what you're going to get. You're going to get close games from here on out and you've got to find a way uh, to, to, to be able to withstand some of the setbacks, withstand some of the disappointments, not be right. Raining fire from three and find a way to get a win. We're going to see if they can do that. And you can join along bluewhiteillustrated.com in the Lions Den message forum for uh, a conversation during the game. If you want to have more of this with Nate, bluewhiteillustrated.com, sign up for $29.99 and you get access until next football season. Uh, so you definitely get it through the end of basketball season and then through whatever interesting things we get in the offseason uh, for the Nittany Lions. And of course, all the other great content at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Nate, this is a great show. I feel like we brought the best out in each other today. I, hey, I'll take it. I, I, <laughs> doesn't matter. We'll talk later. <laughs> That'll do it for today. We'll be back next week with the Penn State Hoop Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. It's Nate Bauer. We'll talk to you then.